In early March of this year, or about a million years ago in pandemic time, we did an episode about surveillance and coronavirus. At the time, that meant turning our gaze to China, where the government was using citizens' cell phone location data to manage the pandemic. The idea that the U.S. would use the surveillance technology to fight coronavirus wasn't something most people had considered. Casey Newton is the Silicon Valley editor at The Verge, and he says that changed really fast. Like, nothing should move that fast. (laughs) First, news broke that the CDC and some state governments were using location data to see if the public was complying with social distancing measures. Uh, And then just a few days later, Google announced that it was going to be using some anonymized, aggregated data of its own and uh, start putting up reports uh, about how people were complying with those orders. Were you surprised by how quickly things changed? Yeah, I'm always surprised when I write a column saying the government should do something and then it does it two days later. (laughs) At this very moment, the U.S. government is using location data from our cell phones to fight the pandemic. Today on the show, what does that mean for people living in the U.S. now and after the pandemic ends? I'm Ariel Zermross. This is Reset. Casey Newton, so the government is using cell phone location data as part of its coronavirus strategy. What exactly does that mean? So in America, everyone is basically sharing the same kind of data. It is not individual data about how you personally have moved anywhere. What they're doing instead is uh, they're looking at the way that your cell phone, as you move through the world, pings off various towers, and it can correlate that with information it has about which locations are businesses, which are parks, which are hospitals. And it can kind of create a picture of the degree to which people are staying at home or moving. So that's the kind of data that mobile advertisers are sharing with the government. It's the kind of data that Google is now making public on this website that lets anyone search to see how movement patterns have changed in your particular community. And it's the same kind of data that Facebook is sharing with academic researchers through a pre-existing program that it had to help epidemiologists uh, model disease spread. Hmm. So everyone is kind of taking a look at this high-level aggregated data to get a picture of where we're all moving. Okay, so lots of companies are involved with this, but talking about Google specifically, how is Google using location data to respond to the pandemic? Well, in in many ways, Google has already been showing you this information. If you've ever gone on Google Maps and looked at the heat map it has to show how busy a restaurant is, you're looking at this data in action. It's the exact same thing, right? Google takes a look at how busy locations are and uses that to provide a consumer service. Now they're using it to provide a public health service. This data is enabled um, by something called location history, which you have to opt in into uh, through Google's services. The, The most common way you would probably opt in is via Google Maps. And Google will encourage you to opt in. But by default, if you do nothing, Google won't be collecting this data about you. That's not true for mobile advertising companies, right? They're uh, very, very lightly regulated, and they are able to collect and sell your data. So it, it is a difference. 
So we've covered this kind of thing on the show before. We know that the U.S. government has used phone location data for immigration enforcement. But this is this is different. This is a more widespread use. So did the government get its hands on these data specifically because of the pandemic? And is it paying for it? It sounds like it did get the data after the pandemic started, and it's not clear whether the government is paying for it. But, you know, there are some of these ad companies, like there's one called Unicast that just started posting this data basically on its own website as what, you know, in, in what sort of felt like promotion for the company. Um, they, this company, Unicast, kind of posted this leaderboard that sort of said, you know, here's here, here's which, you know, counties are doing the best job uh, of staying at home. Wow. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, to learn that, that, that these companies were giving all the data to the government for free. What you're telling me is that these, these data brokers, these commercial companies that gather location data from people's phones, they're now bragging about this ability to the public when previously, I'm pretty sure that they, they weren't super excited about telling everybody that they knew where everybody is. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, you can see how this could be good PR for them, right? So after the crisis, they could say, we use this data to fight the coronavirus, right? And maybe stave off regulation for, you know, another 100 years. Who knows? Wow. Okay. So how exactly is the government using this data to fight the pandemic? So the the idea, and you know, we should say like we need to we need a lot more reporting on this subject. Uh, there's a lot that has not been shared. Um, in fact, the the federal government itself, to, to the best of my knowledge, still has not uh, described this publicly. Okay. Um, but what we have uh, read so far suggests that the government is trying to build uh, a portal so that federal, state, and local officials can analyze uh, how the coronavirus is spreading around the country and. And hopefully stop it from advancing. Uh, so, you know, one of the things it might show is which stores or parks or public areas still have a lot of people gathering in them. There is a density level in New York City that is wholly inappropriate. New York used this data and discovered that a lot of people were gathering in Prospect Park in, in Brooklyn. You would not know that anything was going on. And so then the uh, the authorities were able to go and post notices saying, you know, hey, hey, don't gather here. So it's it's that sort of thing. This might sound like a dumb question, but why are these kinds of, of data, the, this location data from people's phones, why is that better than just you know, sending a police officer down there and, you know, that person visually being able to tell that, hey, there are lots of people in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. So, I mean, that does seem like a great thing to do. I think the idea <laughs> is that if you have a high-level view, you can detect high spots maybe more quickly than you could if you had police officers patrolling every corner of the city. And, of course, mm. you know, in the case of New York in particular, you have a lot of officers who are out sick with the coronavirus. That's true. And so, you know, I, I suspect we're going to see a lot of first responders' uh, forces being depleted by the virus, and it's going to put more pressure on these more data-driven efforts to kind of help uh, direct the response. How important is this kind of data in the country's fight against the pandemic? I mean, it's not the most important thing, right? But, you know, in a in a global pandemic that has brought the economy to a crashing halt, uh, it's okay to try lots and lots and lots of things, right? And I think location data is going to hopefully be one of those um, that helps us understand the spread and to monitor compliance with these stay-at-home orders that are really important to, to flattening the curve. So if you think of them as an enforcement tool for flattening the curve, then, then I think that's probably where they're most effective. 
And other countries are using phone location data as well, and some of them are using it in a more heavy-handed and invasive kind of way. Is this kind of surveillance working in other countries? Yes, it is working. And the more draconian the the surveillance, the better it's worked. So the country that tends to get kind of top marks for handling the coronavirus so far is Taiwan. And in Taiwan, they're using location data to set up these electronic fences. So if you get ordered to quarantine because you have been exposed or you have the virus, uh, you are registered with the system. And then if you leave your house uh, or just turn your phone off, it will alert the public health authorities and you will get a call making sure that you're complying with that order. Wow. And as far as we can tell, that along with uh, testing, contact tracing, and some other things has helped to Taiwan really manage this crisis. Um, for a slightly less invasive example, you can look at Israel, where they are doing uh, something similar but without the fencing component. So mm. if, uh, if they find out that you have been exposed uh, through their contract tracing efforts, they will uh, send you a text to your phone ordering you to self-quarantine. It will say, hey, you know, we have reason to believe that you've been exposed. You need to go isolate yourself at home. Um, so that's uh, another effort that, that we've seen um, so far. If it sounds like some of this stuff is actually working to fight this coronavirus, do you think it would work here too? To use the, the data that the government already has in this more sort of invasive kind of way? I think it could work to help contain the spread of the coronavirus, yes. And, you know, the more people who are sheltering in place, uh, the better all of those measures work. And so if you use location data as a tool to understand whether people are are complying or even enforcing their compliance, then, yeah, I think you do wind up getting the, the virus uh, under control faster. But it also involves turning over some very sensitive data to the federal government, which is something that Americans have historically resisted. And so there are really valid questions about what happens once you give the federal government the idea that it can know where we are and what we're doing at all times. You'd think privacy advocates would be up in arms about the federal government using more location data. Actually, some of them have been pushing for exactly that. Stick around. This is Reset. Casey Newton, Silicon Valley editor for The Verge. How are people reacting to the news that the government is using location data like this? Are privacy advocates responding the way they usually do to this kind of surveillance? So one of the surprising things about this is that, no, that they're not. And some of the privacy advocates that I follow online have actually been rooting for the federal government to uh, use location data in this way. There's this very sharp, funny writer named uh, Maciek uh, Saglowski who runs um, uh, a company called Pinboard. And he's, you know, one of the best writers about privacy on, on the Internet, in my view. I've been really enjoying watching Silicon Valley freak out over the idea that the American government is performing the same kind of bulk data collection that is their entire reason of being. 
And he wrote a piece um, shortly before we learned that the government was actually starting to do this, in which he basically said, look, we have these, you know, very invasive uh, surveillance capitalism companies out there collecting all this location data. If we were ever going to use it for good, now is the time. We have these technologies that you know, are are being used for very simple things like selling us, you know, Starbucks or whatever. The question is, why don't you use it to accomplish a, a public health goal? You know, we've, we've built the system and it works, but we, we've only used it for kind of the dumbest purpose. Let's try to use it for a smarter one is the argument. And that really caught my eye um, because Machik was the last person who I would ever uh, imagine would be asking for data to be used in this way. Uh, but but there were others. And well, certainly there are you know plenty of people who are concerned and think it's a bad idea and want to see a lot more safeguards around it. I think it's fair to say that you know during this crisis, people are uh, considering ideas that they never would have considered three months ago. I understand that in other countries, that information seems to have been used effectively. The thing that worries me is that the U.S. government specifically hasn't exactly handled this crisis really well. Right. You know, I'm not I'm not always convinced that they're basing their policies on data or that they're drawing the right conclusions from the data that we're getting. And so I worry about the assumption that this information will necessarily lead to good policies. Do we know if this surveillance info is actually informing effective coronavirus policies in the U.S.? Well, the the one example we've really seen so far is this case I mentioned where uh, it alerted uh, police in, in Brooklyn to the fact that a bunch of people were gathering in a park. And, you know, on the, on the list of problems we're confronting right now, that's pretty small potatoes, right? right. But the question is, if you had a a national portal that you could see where these hotspots were and kind of inspire a quick response to those areas, um, that could be helpful. Um, you know, but your broader point is basically, look, do you really trust this administration uh, with this data? And I think it's a fair question. And one important thing to keep in mind uh, about the United States response so far is that this data has been anonymized and aggregated, right? So the government can't say, hey, where is Ariel right now? At least not in this way. <laughs> um, but they can say, hey, are people in New York generally staying indoors, right? And so the idea is that you can sort of get insights at the population level, and maybe that's not quite as worrisome as the individual level. So what are the dangers here then? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there's questions about, you know, sort of what happens next. As we noted, this is moving pretty quickly. It's moved without a real public debate. And that raises the prospect that as this crisis moves on, they will continue to find new ways of using the data that are potentially more invasive, right? right? Um, you know, we have laws in this country that do go a very long way to protect the privacy of our health information. And so I think you're going to sort of see uh, a bigger debate once once the country starts to reopen and some people are uh, COVID positive and some aren't, um, and, you know, being COVID positive may be a requirement to, you know, I don't know, ride the subway, go to a grocery store or whatever. Right. Having built up immunity for it, you mean? 
Exactly. And so then how how do we store that data and who is that data shared with and what are the potential misuses of that data? And then to the extent that they build up new capabilities to track our movements using our cell phones, um, are are those going to just be permanent powers? Uh, are they going to stop doing that at some point? If they have collected some data, will they purge it? Or are they going to keep it forever? Right. Like So these are some of the questions that start to come up when you talk about like collecting location data at a national level. So if the government wanted to do this responsibly, what could it do to protect our civil liberties while still using these data? So if you look at the way that some other countries have done it, they have actually devised ways to collect this data that are compliant with the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, which was the privacy-protecting law that the European Union passed last year um, and helped to manage issues like this. And so that, for example, allows people to request a copy of their data, uh, you know, that is on file. Um, uh, I believe the data, you know, gets deleted after a certain amount of time. And the government is just very uh, transparent and straightforward about how they're collecting the data, right? They're they're disclosing this. So those are all some things that the government could do, I think, to make people feel more comfortable about how this data was being used. This is all happening while the U.S. still doesn't have a national privacy law, right? What kind of impact do you think that's having on how the government is conducting itself? So not having a national privacy law is a kind of mixed blessing. Um, On one hand, we don't have certain rights uh, protected under a law, right? Like the right to know all of the data that your government has collected about you. Uh, But on the other hand, it does mean that the government can maybe move faster, right? Like when there aren't as many rules in place, it it means it can try things. So that's why I think we're going to have to pay extra close attention to what it does here over the next few uh, weeks and months. Casey, I can't help but notice that so much of this crisis, whether we're talking about location data or otherwise, all the problems that I'm seeing in terms of um, actual policies or the, or the way that this problem is being managed seem to come back to, to one specific issue, which is the issue of trust, right? Do you trust your government yeah. to uh, actually use these data responsibly? Do you trust your government to follow the law? Do you trust your government to to gather health information about you? And if anything, what this crisis is showing is that the U.S. has a serious trust issue. Yeah, yeah, it does. But I think Americans have a long history uh, of distrusting their their government that, you know, basically goes back to the founding of the republic. (laughs) And, you know, what we've done over the past couple uh, of 100 years is to just continuously yell for people to do better and to, you know, try to elect people who have our our best interests at heart. Uh, So, you know, that's democracy. Casey Newton is a Silicon Valley editor at The Verge. I'm Ariel Zimros, and this is Reset. We publish episodes three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at ADRS. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. We'll be back on Thursday. Later, nerds. <laughs>